1: and pageantry of college football lives here this is the Paul Feinbaum show our three podcasts this
2: might be college football
3: half the show is live thanks for hanging with us here on a crazy Tuesday afternoon so one season has ended the new one has already begun this is the uh, final poll. From the AP, Michigan wins it all, Washington, Texas. Georgia comes in fourth after two consecutive number one finishes. Alabama finishes out of the top four for the second year in a row. Same place they were last year at number five. And what about next year? Seems rather familiar. We started the season with uh, Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State, and Michigan in the top four. What about the way-too-early top 25 for next year. It's all Georgia, followed by Alabama. Seth Emerson joins us. He writes for The Athletic, covers a lot of uh, Georgia, to say the least. Seth, thanks for the time. Uh, we heard from a fan from Columbus, Ohio, uh, not very happy about Michigan's win. How is the, what's the view like in the uh, Georgia uh, zip code? Uh, for the first time in three years, the dogs are not number one. Uh, It seems like a lot
4: of kind of regret, empty feeling, a lot of rueful looks back at the SEC championship and what could have been, because I think there are a lot of people watching those two teams last night and saying Georgia probably matched up really well with both of them. And that's honestly what I predicted the week of the SEC championship. I said if Georgia beat Alabama, they'd go win the national championship because I think they matched up well with those teams but that if Georgia lost to Alabama, they'd be out of the playoff. And that is indeed what happened. But I think there's also kind of a, there's a settling in of appreciation for the fact that they were defending national champions, that they could say that for, I think it was 729 days. And that was after 41 years of not being able to say that. And then looking at all these lines coming out where Georgia's the I guess favorite but not like prohibitive but also number one and my colleague Stuart Mandel's preseason number one I think Pat Forty had him number one as well and just a sense of you know it it was disappointing not to win it this year but by no means has any window closed in fact the window is still wide open.
3: Seth it was it was a long dark Three three weeks or so after after Atlanta, but how much did the total evisceration of Florida State just help the psyche a little bit of this program?
4: A little bit, a little bit. I the the opt out situation on Florida State's end it took a little bit out of that, um, but I think it reinforced because Georgia, you know, Brock Bowers didn't play. Uh, Smile Munda, their talented inside linebacker, who is returning apparently, for next year. Um, He didn't play. Some other guys didn't play. Um, But it it just kind of reinforced for a lot of people that this was a really good team. And, uh, you know, very well still could have been the best team in the country this year. But they were not better than Alabama on the day that it mattered. And it was fair for Georgia not to make the playoffs. I don't think that any reasonable people thought what happened in Miami in the orange bowl sent any message that a Florida state shouldn't have been in and B Georgia should have been in it, it. I think it kind of just reinforced that it's unfortunate for Georgia that 2023 played out differently than 2021 when Georgia, same thing, 12 and 0, then lost to Alabama in SEC championship, but got in the playoff because there were enough spots. And, and this year there, there just weren't enough spots. Georgia lost the one game they couldn't have. If they had lost any other game, Paul, during the regular season, pick a game. <laughs> Could have been Kent State. Um, they I don't think they played Kent State, but you know what I mean. <laughs> uh, UAB, anybody, 11-1, and one, go into the uh, SEC championship and beat Alabama. They would have made the playoff, but they lost the one game they couldn't.
3: Seth, uh, that, that is now over. Uh, and I think everybody knew going in uh, – the mountain was pretty high, uh, but, but still pretty good. Uh, but as you absorb all the things that have happened since, uh, Atlanta, the, the recruiting, the transfer portal, uh, now the num- preseason number one it just seems like we're right back to where we were other than the mounting pressure of a three P.
4: Yeah. Yeah. It's a, they're, they're number one going into this year, just like they were last year, but everything else is different. Um, the the schedule sets up so much different as i wrote today it, trying to break it down a little bit georgia with the schedule they have on paper right now if you're looking at it if they go 10 and 2 they're a shoe in for the playoffs now we don't know if 10 and 2 means that they make the sec championship uh they Probably not in the 16-team league. You'd figure some teams would go, you know, a couple one-loss teams or unbeaten teams would make it. But everything is different this year, Paul. It is a 16-team league with two very good programs coming in in Texas and Oklahoma. No more divisions. So we have scrambled the schedule outlook. So Georgia doesn't have, God bless them, Vanderbilt, South Carolina, uh, Missouri, they're probably glad for that one not being on their schedule anymore on a yearly basis. But they're at Texas, they're at Alabama, they're at Ole Miss, they're at Kentucky. They open against Clemson in Atlanta. It's a very challenging schedule. It's going to make it harder, maybe impossible to go 12-0, and 0, but it is also a 12-team playoff with a lot of margin for error. And I do also think, Paul, that the combination of the disappointment of not winning the championship this year, not even making the playoffs, combined with the schedule, the knowledge that is a brutal schedule, Del McGee, the running backs coach just kind of mentioned it offhandedly. When we were talking to him before the orange bowl about a brutal schedule that shows that that, that awareness of what's ahead of them is permeated this program. And the fact that they open against Clemson and they know they have to be good right away. That, that may that may spur something this off season in the next eight months around this program may be different than the first eight months of 2023 when they, they knew they had a very weak September and they ended up tooling around playing with their food a lot. Those first four games or so in, in the Auburn game too. It, it, I think it's going to be a little bit different around Athens over the next eight months.
3: Two. Coaching questions, let me start with Glenn Schumann. His name was linked today to the vacancy in Tuscaloosa where Kevin Steele is moving on. He's been, he's been linked to a lot of jobs. What is your best guess on Schumann and the, and, the, and the assistant coaches for
4: the time being? Well, Schumann interviewed with the Philadelphia Eagles last year.
1: Right.
4: So I, I, I would tend to think that from a career ladder standpoint, he will think he's he's fine staying where he is and that the next job is a head coaching job in college at a power four I guess we need to say conference school or it's NFL coordinator job Um, and the Alabama defensive coordinator job was open last year and he didn't take it I don't know if anything has changed they've recruited really well here and probably really excited to to coach these guys. But, you know, went to Alabama and was there with Kirby before coming to Georgia, so I guess you never rule it out. Um, Nothing else immediately on the radar. Uh, This is two straight off-seasons, unless I'm forgetting something, Paul, that Georgia, at this point, has lost one assistant coach. And that was to a – clear improvement um, last year, Todd Munkin going to the Ravens as offensive coordinator this year, Fran Brown going from position coach to Syracuse head coach. And that's, that's a remarkable amount of stability for, for a staff like, like Georgia.
3: The exit question seems ludicrous, but I keep having people claim they know something, which I'm not sure I believe. So I'll let you clarify it and maybe put it to bed, or start a forest fire here. And that's the opening with the Atlanta Falcons connected to Kirby Smart. Uh, is there is there anything to that as as you as best you know?
4: I I have not heard anything to indicate that's anything other than speculation. I you know, I I, I don't think any coach can be ruled out. Maybe Nick Saban since he tried it <laughs> going to the NFL. Um you know, it's it's a better challenge. Obviously, the issues with NIL and the portal have made the college job, college coaching jobs, different than they used to be. Quality of life is different, but I think Kirby Smart likes coaching Georgia. He likes coaching at the college level. Um, the way this season ended, I'm sure, is you know sparked a little bit more motivation uh, to get back to the mountaintop, but probably didn't need that much motivation i just i don't see it yet but i mean i also he, he's earning what like around 11 million is is arthur blank gonna gonna improve on that i don't I just you know i i've not heard this goes back to glenn schumann to alabama i'm not going to sit here and give you a soundbite that will then appear really stupid <laughs> You know, if it happens a day or two later. Uh, hey, Seth, leave, leave, the, careful, leave, that, leave that to me.
3: I, I, I've taken care of that for yeah. a couple of years. Okay. Okay. All right. Yeah, let's leave it at that. No, I mean, I uh, I agree with you. Um, and it's, I mean, I, hes- I hesitate to even ask the question because, but you do, you would agree, would you not, that Kirby Smart does seem fairly suited
4: for pro ball? Uh I don't, I mean, in the, I mean, he's a motivator. Um, I think he's shown he's really good with roster management, but I I think he he was there with Saban with the dolphins and he saw the reasons that Saban didn't like the NFL game and the lack of control and Kirby smart likes control as much as Nick Saban does. And, And you'd be giving a lot of that up, even with more player empowerment than used to be the case with, with, name image likeness and, and the transfer portal and everything, you still have more control uh, in college than you do in the NFL. And I just, I mean, I, I think, you know, maybe eventually there will be part of Kirby that wants to try it, wants to try NFL. But I, 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 like I said, I haven't talked to anybody who seriously thinks that at the moment. I think the guy's wired in a way that he's just thinking about. Like he's thinking about getting the next guy. I mean, this is a program that went and got a quarterback from UNLV yesterday that was on nobody's radar to come here. And they convinced him to come here despite Carson Beck being back this year just to compete to be the number two in 2024. And I think that's the way Kirby acts. He's like, he's thinking about the 2025 recruiting class already, He's looking in the portal to see if there's anybody else that can help help their 85
3: next year. Great stuff. Seth Emerson, nobody knows more. We always appreciate your time, Seth. We are going to take a short break. We have plenty of time for you to get in here right after this.
0: This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any 8-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number 8, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature 8-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number 8, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. Is your schedule too packed to see a doctor about your erectile dysfunction? Well, with Hims, now you can get treated for ED without stepping foot outside your door. They're changing men's health care by providing access to affordable sexual health treatments from the comfort of your couch. Hims provides access to doctor-trusted ED treatment options such as chewable hard mints, brand-name treatments like Viagra, or generic alternatives for up to 95% cheaper. The process is simple and entirely online. Just answer a series of questions and a medical provider will determine the right treatment option. If prescribed, your medication ships to you free, no insurance needed. So what are you waiting for? Join the hundreds of thousands of trusted HIMS subscribers and get treated. Start your free online visit today at HIMS.com Paul. That's HIMS.com slash Paul for your personalized ED treatment options. HIMS.com Paul. Hard mints are chewable compounded products which are not approved by or verified for safety or effectiveness by the FDA. Prescriptions require an online consultation with a healthcare provider who will determine if appropriate. Restrictions apply. See website for details and important safety information. Subscription required. Price varies on product and subscription plan.
1: You're listening to the Paul Feinbaum Show podcast.
3: and we're appreciative of you being here with us. Let's continue with more of your phone calls at eight five five. 242 7285. And uh, Will is in California. Hey, Will.
5: Hey, Paul. Years ago, you and I spoke to echo your Michigan callers. Pardon the water in the background. Um, about the hidden gems embedded within Yiddish, if you might recall. My name is for yes. everyone. And to uh, the second dude all of Michigan talking about strength and conditioning coaches. That's how I still lift to younger dudes, never stop. But I'd like to thank you for passing me the knuckleball with Spikes after listening to Larry. I was like, whoa, dude sounds like he just blew in from Gone with the Wind. You know, and I'm from the Rockies just for the listeners there after Japan. Tokyo is my first hometown. And we, 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 those of us from that part of the country, we love college football just as much as in Alabama. But we, You hear that kind of vernacular being bandied about, and the rhetorical question becomes, what does that mean? It's like he, he did sound angry, so I'll, I'll leave it at that. I thought you were spot on, first take, talking about Georgia, although you know, what if, what could have been naysayers come out of the woodwork? I think you know, Michigan still would have... Uh, won that game. People might not like hearing that. It's just our opinion. We should say it to each other respectfully. And then the market, that's why I was talking what are your Saturdays going to be now? And I've always written on my Twitter feed the value of having big three in CBB and CFB. And so you just switch over to college basketball. That might not make for as much fun tailgating. Works. Thanks for listening.
3: Thank you. Thank you very much. Sarah is up next. Hello, Sarah.
6: Well, hey, Paul. How are you doing?
3: Hey, how are you doing? It's great to hear from you.
6: Well, thank you. Well, I know uh, we're all disappointed that college football is over, but there is so much to look forward to. And as I was looking ahead, I see people asking, what are you going to do on Saturdays, on the weekends? Well, there is so much coming up. And I just want to say that, Uh, Alabama Gymnastics and SEC Gymnastics uh, is starting and uh, our team went to Las Vegas and they're now the number four team in the country and on Friday night we're going to go against the number three team in Missouri at home. And this is a special time last year every school in the SEC that has women's gymnastics sold out at least one meet, and it took me back to 1997 when I was coaching and Georgia and Alabama sold out for the first time, and now to see in softball, in women's volleyball, gymnastics, women's basketball, to see all the people that are supporting women's sports It, it just, uh, it means so much to me. Uh, it's, it's amazing. And I just want to encourage everyone to tune into the SEC network or if you're close here to Tuscaloosa, come on down for this meet because it's going to be an awesome one. And Paul, I have to thank you because back in 1997, if it weren't for you, we would never have sold out because you helped me promote women's gymnastics.
3: Well, Sarah, thank you, but uh, the product was pretty uh, exemplary. It wasn't, it wasn't a tough sell, but uh, I remember those days and, and our mutual friend Lou Each and what he meant to that program in particular. He was really the reason uh, that I became interested in it uh, in addition to you. It, uh, it's so great to hear from you, and I, uh, I cannot wait to get back to Tuscaloosa soon and see you.
6: Well, we'll look forward to it, but, uh, uh, you know, I was the biggest football fan ever. I still am because without football, we couldn't have competed at the highest level that we did. And, by the way, and, I still and, I still and, laugh. So, I
3: don't know if you've ever told this story here. I know you've told back in the old show, but Sarah uh, won an endless number of national championships as the coach, but you were hired by the Bear, were you not?
6: I was uh, I was 23 years old, or yeah, 22, and and just graduated from Slippery Rock College, and uh, I was going to be the assistant coach here, and then they fired the head coach, so I was the fifth coach in five years, <laughs> and Coach Bryant uh, didn't tell me when he made me the coach that uh, he was going to cut the program at the end of the year, but then we had our first non-losing season. And Coach Bryant gave me five scholarships to recruit with. And I went out and we recruited. And those five women were the first team that took us to qualify for our first national championship. And we went to 36 straight.
3: And somehow managed to win only six national championships during that run.
6: Well, <laughs> that's true. It was only six, but uh, <laughs> it, it was, you know, and, and people, say, people say they always talk about the championships. For me, it was about seeing our athletes now in their careers and what they're doing, sending their, their children to the University of Alabama. Those are the biggest things for me in my career and seeing women's sports grow. I'm, when last year, when I watched all those schools sell out at their institutions for women's gymnastics, I couldn't have been more proud of each and every coach because it took a lot over the years to get there. And now, when I saw what ninety thousand go to a women's Nebraska volleyball yeah, game, yeah. I mean, those things mean everything. And, and Sarah, I, I not to draw not time, to draw you
3: into a debate here, but I'm curious uh, because there are some. there's some sec gymnasts one in particular who's making a lot of money and gaining a lot of international fame but what is it like uh, for the for the other ladies because it seems like uh, that is such an attractive sport to so many people and i just wondered how your knowledge of how it's translating over to nil
6: well I, i i don't know the details but i do know that lots of gymnasts are receiving finances now and and I think it's great. Um, you know, do I wish I was coaching in the NIL on the transfer portal? No. <laughs> <laughs> I bet. But uh, not at all. But, uh, you know, to see this, I, I think just to see the, the whole growth of women's sports has been amazing. And I think the Olympics, you know, over in Paris, that's, that's just going to escalate it even more. I remember going to the Atlanta Olympics. Watching us do so well and win in women's gymnastics, and I remember driving home and t- and and calling your show on my way from Atlanta to Tuscaloosa to talk about, you know, how how women's sports had grown, and you know we have all these Olympians now. Y'all need to come to the gymnastics meets, but there's so much women's softball. Uh, Our stadium sells out here in Tuscaloosa with Patrick Murphy. And, you know, there's just so many wonderful things. And uh, I want to thank you because, you know, this is the time. We switched from football, and now we've got basketball. We've got gymnastics, softball, men's baseball. We've got it all coming up. And, uh, yes, I will miss watching football. I'm, I'm the first one to say that. But uh, i'm I'm looking forward to Friday night.
3: Well, Sarah, I'll say this to you. Not only were you you know one of the Hall of Fame coaches in in gymnastics history, but you you may have really been uh, at, at the vanguard of marketing the sport. Uh, for those who don't know Sarah, I, I don't know how real it was, but it ended up getting a, a documentary on the SEC network. Sarah and uh, <laughs> suzanne yakulin Yoc- uh, the coach of Georgia had one of the most famous feuds, how real it was. I don't know. You can save it for your memoirs, but it was, uh, we, we talked about it all the time.
6: Yes. And you know, but it was that rivalry that built women's gymnastics fan base and we would go to Athens and there'd be, you know, their arena would be full and then they would come to ours and we we'd have 15,023 people. In 1997. And yeah.
3: uh, it, it, it was amazing. It was uh, the early version of the WWE meets uh, SEC gymnastics. Uh, Sarah, oh. <laughs> <laughs> it was great. I mean, and and, and we I mean, we we would we had you and Suzanne on one time. And uh, I mean, it, it I mean, you two were, were having some fun. But I, I could sense uh, the tension uh, over the airline or over the airwaves.
6: Well definitely we were we were very competitive, just like everybody is in in these times but uh, it it did a lot for women's sports, as did you and I, I just everybody's got to flip the page right now and we got to move on from football and but I'm just telling everyone there's a lot of great sports
7: You're for right. women You're to watch right. right
6: now
3: and I think you could tell by uh, the recent uh, NCAA contract with ESPN that it's finally getting noticed uh, in the uh, in the in the C-suites. So, uh, Sarah, thanks. So great. So great to talk to you. We head to the break right here and we are back after this.
0: Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza, better because it has to be.
1: You're listening to the Paul Feinbaum Show Podcast.
3: D is up next in Mobile, Alabama. Hello, D. Good afternoon, D. Yeah, I could not uh, (laughs) try to one more time. And then we'll move on to Kevin in Michigan. Hello, Kevin. Thank you for checking in with us. Good afternoon.
1: How are you doing today, Paul?
3: We are doing great. Thank you.
1: Well, thank you. You know, I just want to say I'm a big fan. I watch your show. Thank you. I'm I'm a huge Michigan fan and a Jim Harbaugh fan. So really after the Rose Bowl, I, I kind of wanted to say that Man, I, I wanted to call you and ask you how curl case, but after today and you on ESPN, I thought, man, this guy really stood up. And, you know, I think a lot of you, I know how intelligent you are in college football, probably one of the most intelligent, but just to hear you say that. And, you know, I go back to the seventies when I was in middle school and Bo Beckler was basically uh, way up there in our world. And Jim Harbaugh came along and loved him. And, you know, I, I, I just, I just hated to see him get bashed all the time. I mean, I know we had a lot of ad, bad publicity and stuff, which I don't know how much of it's actually true, but you know, I gotta say you stood up today and maybe I'm going to eat a little crow because I was pretty upset. I couldn't get through, you know, I, I do think you're very intelligent, but I'm glad you actually you know did maybe in my mind the right thing now obviously not a lot of people's but so i mean great job paul i don't know what more to say you're,
3: thank you very much kevin uh yeah guy. you're a stand up guy thank you as far as eating crow uh randy i've gained 10 pounds today <laughs> give me a treadmill uh let's try checking i think we have d back now hello d it's Heavy D in Mobile. Heavy D. Are you, how are you doing, Mr. Paul, Paul Farmerbaum? We are doing great. Thank you. Hey, man, uh, I wanted to ask you, how many coaches in regular season history have
8: ever been uh, penalized like uh,
3: Hairball did? I can't think how of one. How many coaches I, have I ever been, I don't have a, a – well, I um, not from the ncaa now urban meyer five or six years ago was suspended by his own school if you remember that for his handling of the zach smith case which is what brought ohio state ryan day a a move they may regret but uh I, i can't i can't remember in football you see it in basketball sometimes where a coach will start the season with a carryover suspension or something but but i don't ever remember it being in football but I, I I didn't approve of the guy talking about Yankees, Yankee and Yankee my Where my parents, they raised me different than that, you know. But uh,
8: the, I, the guy did call in. I've been on the phone for a very long time, but the guy called in. He said there was two sides of hairball, and uh, you know, I've seen that. Uh, one looks greasy, and the other one looks like he's got these uh long perler glasses. And it, it did touch my heart that his brother came up and hugged. Yeah, him. I, I agree with you. I mean, you. I, mean probably,
3: I, I I wasn't just kidding this morning uh, with Greeny. Uh, I. I jumped on the Washington uh, on the uh, on the Michigan bandwagon against Washington last week after watching them in, in Pasadena. They're, they're really the, the players. And we got you know, heavy exposure to all of them. They're, they're really a good group. And listen, uh, I know everybody wants one part of the country to hate the other part. But I just couldn't find the hate uh, this week. Thank you very much for the call. Jay is up next. Uh, hello, Jay.
8: Hey, Paul, Roll Tide. Thanks for, sure. for taking my call. Thank you. Congratulations, Congratulations to the Michigan on the national championship. Paul, why are so many callers and people saying the what ifs? Florida State fans, Georgia fans, the season's over with. And as far as the uh, people uh, hating on Washington, I believe Washington earned their right to be there. But, uh, Paul, I want to say, uh, you know, bash was taken
3: up for you, right? Uh, I think so. Yeah.
8: Yeah. Paul,
3: you got a pretty, pretty big following and, uh, we don't like it when people take shots at you. Well, so, uh, yeah, I, I don't mind, but there, I mean, there's some, there's some people out there that aren't worth paying attention to. And the, and the person that he was mentioning is number one on that list. Thank you for the call. Um, Dave is up next in Arkansas. Hey, Dave.
2: Yeah, hey, Paul. Thanks. First time caller. Thank hey, uh, I'm responding to the uh, Jameis Winston play in the Saints game that I called to Jim Rome this morning, mm-hmm. and he kind of cut me off. I was giving him the wrong take, apparently, from what he liked. But he he was all over thinking that that was such a cool play, that what Jameis pulled, but that he, Jameis claims that it was a team decision to do that. But the thing what he was doing, he was actually disrespecting his coach. He he disobeyed a command. His coach told him to run a play and he ignored that. And that the the other coach that, that ultimately lost the game got upset over it. There should I I told Jim Rowan before he cut me off. I said I said the owner should have fired the coach first thing, because he's lost the team. He's lost respect of the team. For for Jameis to have pulled that and then he should have, he should have cut Jameis because you can't, you know, and then one of the callers that called in earlier than that from New Orleans had thought that, oh, well, we, you know, we do what we do in New Orleans and we don't care what you do and you don't you leave what we do alone. And I'm thinking that's really great. If you want to build a championship team and you've got players muting and rebelling and doing what they want to do, it's definitely, it's not good fair play when guys are going down in a formation and somebody's you know, you're giving up on the play and somebody's crashing across the line. And I hope I hope that was Jameis Winston's last play in the NFL because he's he's been somebody that throughout his whole career has done crazy stuff, you know, stealing lobsters and potentially raping people and now doing something like this. It's the principle. You don't you don't make your coach look bad like that. What do you think?
3: I totally agree. Uh, I mean, it's, it's just it's, it's an unwritten rule, but uh, it, it's, it, more than anything, I don't care about the points. The game was over. I care about the injuries. If one side is, is simply not doing anything, and then uh, all of a sudden you create the situation, it, it's, it's, it's completely wrong. Uh, we are taking a break here. More to come right after this.
1: You're listening to the Paul Feinbaum Show podcast. Let's get back
3: to our calls. And Dan is in Michigan. Hello, Dan. Hey, Paul. Great show. Join in immensely. Always do. Thank
7: you. A little bit of background. I'm a northerner, born and bred, but I've always loved the South. Uh, Back in my career, I did a lot of business in the South. I love the South. I mean, I love the people. I love the culture. I love the mindset. I find so many admirable things about the South, including the patriotism. Uh, uh, but I just, I just love the South. Now that being said, uh, I absolutely love your caller, uh, Larry. I look forward to his calls. Don't ever stop taking Larry's calls, Paul. It's <laughs> it's amusing and enlightening, and I gotta. I got a, a, a brief story. I'm gonna, I can get this out in 30 seconds or a minute. A buddy of mine, uh, also from Michigan here, God rest his soul, my buddy Al was in basic training camp for, I think this explains Larry a little a little tense, you tell me. Uh, he was in basic training camp for Vietnam. Went off and served in Vietnam, God bless him. But he was in basic training camp. He said, uh, we had a barracks that was about 100 bed uh, barracks. He said they had to have a dispensation to go get a drink of water. He said, one day I took from our, our workouts, I, I went in, I got the dispensation, I went in to get water. He said, there was a slop bucket at the end of the uh, corridor uh, to, with, a, with a ladle to go get your water. He said, so I go in there, and there's one guy sitting on, a, sitting on a bed, shining his shoes. He must have had dispensation for it. He says, and he just put the evil eye on him. He says, as I walked this long walk to the slop bucket. He says, when I got to the slot bucket and I picked up the ladle and I'm looking at this guy and he's looking to be this little, he later found out a little Southern boy. And out of the clear blue, the letter, the, the, the boy exclaims to him, he says, you think you're hot shit because you won the war. <laughs> and Al told me, he said, Dan, I did not know what this kid was talking about. I, I didn't have a clue. He said, um. I, I, he said it a second time, and I said, "Boy, what the hell are you talking about? We in basic training here. We haven't shipped out to Vietnam yet. We're not going to be shipping out for another six or eight weeks. What the hell?" And he says, "I later found out. He says he was talking about the Civil War, of course. And in his mindset, it was as if the Civil War had ended a week ago, a week <laughs> earlier. And it was like I had personally <laughs> played." His father, his brother, his uncle, and his cousins, and he says that he was just of that mindset, and it was. He says it was. He said, "Dan, he said the Civil War was one week on my sophomore year of high school of history that I didn't even have a clue on, but this kid was just it was locked in his head. And when I listened to Larry, Larry denies all the stuff that you uh, uh, that you barbed him with." But Larry is a amusing figure that I love the guy dearly. And I understand his mind, uh, some of, them. I think I don't want to overcycle analyze Larry, but I enjoy Larry immensely. So don't ever stop taking this call.
3: Thank you very much, Dan. Great to hear from you. Uh, James is up next in Florida. Hello, James hey Paul uh, just I, I can't say enough about your show and how you
8: take ordinary men uh, for calling and that means a lot to the public and uh, I just can't I, I want to commend you, Thank you. Um, I just want to let you know uh, uh, John, uh, Jim Harbaugh uh, drafted my son uh, for the uh, San Francisco 49ers uh, fourth round uh, Joe Don looney and uh, just want to say uh, uh, the Harbaugh family is just one hell of a family, they're a football family, and it, in my heart, um, there's a man that deserved a win, and um, I'm just so proud of the family, uh, long story short, um, that man's lost some tough games, and uh, some games that have been humiliating, but it, uh, at the end of the day, I, I think uh, he he got his uh, blessings uh, yesterday, and uh, it's just a real pleasure to see uh, Michigan. Uh, you know, there's a lot of Michigan fans out there that uh, wanted to get rid of uh, Mr. Harbaugh, Coach Harbaugh. And uh, at the end of the day, um, who are you going to get? And uh, I I think he proved uh, his doubters wrong. And um, I'm just real proud of the family. And um, my son, Joe, and uh, my other son, James, uh, played for Green Bay for three years. And uh, I've been real blessed with football. I uh, I walked on the University of Louisville um, uh, late '70s for Vince Gibson. Um, he sure. was a guy from Alabama. I remember Vince. And uh, we had a gentleman that coached me, Doug Matthews. Uh, he went to Tennessee. Oh sure, I know. Doug, Doug,
3: Doug, Doug used to live in Nashville. He was on radio, wasn't
8: he? Yeah, he. Uh, you know, he's on radio too. Right. And, I... uh, he, he was just a hell of a coach too. Uh, I hear a lot of stories about you're a hell of a coach. Um, And, uh, you know, uh, plus my high school coach was uh, Rod Cloyd, uh, played for University of Kentucky. And um, I I can't say enough about SEC football. Um, It it, it was a shame that uh, Georgia didn't get their shot uh, at the end of the day. Um, But uh, I I think it all played out. And uh, at the end of the day,
1: You're listening to the
8: Paul Feinbaum Show Podcast.